Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for an opportunity this morning just to hear Katie's heart and, and just to be able to see a, a, a quick glimpse into their ministry and the work that you're having them do. God, I do pray this morning that you would burden our hearts to give, to pray, and to go. Lord, it's easy to be caught up in uh, what we have going on and forget that there are literally millions of people who are dying around the world without access to the gospel. Help us to be burdened to go. God, I, I don't mean just a, a desire or a want to, but I know there are men and women even sitting in this room who heard Katie talk, Lord, who, God, they could do more than just give money, Lord. They could spend their time or even give up their lives for the sake of the gospel, so, Lord, I don't think that's beyond us to pray this morning that you would stir those affections, God, Lord, that you would make it something that can't be avoided, not something that can be pushed under the rug, God, but something that, that has to be responded to. God, thank you. Thank you for giving us a place to where we have access to the gospel. And, Lord, we are spoiled in the gospel often. So help us to realize, God, just how, how blessed we are to have every word that you wanted us to have in Scripture given to us on page. God, we need you. We need you. Help our hearts to break for what breaks yours. And we'll be grateful that you did. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How are we this morning? Good. Last week, uh, we were able to spend a little bit of time in the book of Mark, chapter 10. And we talked about the disciples, uh, people were bringing their children to Jesus, and the disciples began to turn people away. The disciples began to rebuke people and, uh, and, and to send them away from Jesus. People just wanted their kids to, to uh, you know, for Jesus to lay his hands on their children and to give them a blessing. And, and the disciples were like, no, no, get, get on out of here. And, and Jesus became indignant, the scripture said. He got frustrated. And um, he, he looked at his disciples, and, and as we just kind of, paraphrase this, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, hey guys, I, I, I know you're kind of wrapped up in yourself and what you're doing and you think you're hot stuff, but I really want you to be more like a kid. I really want you to be childlike in your faith. And we talked about how children were, they were this incredible example for us in our faith walk because children are dependent on God. They're fully dependent on God. We talked about how they're wild with amazement and how they have this big God-sized faith that, that anything can happen and how they just trust Without reservation, children just trust. And we talked about how we wanted to have that kind of dependence and that kind of faith and that kind of just being amazed by his grace and trusting in him for who he is. So today we're going to transition. We're going to pick up in uh, Mark 10, verse 17. If you have your Bibles, let's read together. And as he was sitting, on, sitting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, all of these things I've kept from my youth. Jesus, he was saying, Jesus, I've done all this stuff. And Jesus looked at him, I love this verse, Jesus looked at him, loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. As much as I love the verse before, this verse breaks my heart. Disheartened by the saying, 
he went away sorrowfully, for he had many possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. And his disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult is it to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but with God but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything, Jesus, to follow you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who were first will be last, and the last shall be first. This is a, a difficult text because many of us think, well, well, I'm not super rich. I'm not a rich young ruler, so I'm kind of off the hook, right? Like it's hard for that guy to enter into the kingdom of God, but hey, I'm not really rich and I'm not a ruler, so maybe it's a little easier for me. I want you to see this this morning. We're always asking questions, aren't we? We spend our lives asking questions. If you, if you would go through a market, you know, or, or just spend time in the community, you hear some, maybe some of these questions. How much is that? Uh, how long till you get here? Where are you? Are we there yet? Anybody ever heard that one? If you have a, a, a kid or were a kid, and all of us, we, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? It's like, we are turning this car around if you ask one more time, right? Our lives are filled with questions. And ultimately, at some point in our life, we begin to ask different, a different kind of questions. Who, who am I? What was I put here for? What does God want me to do? Do I have what it takes? Am I enough? We begin to grapple with all these questions. And at some point in our lives, all of us will reach this place where we will ask the most important question ever. What does it take to have eternal life? What does it take to be saved? What does it take to make sure that my eternity is secure in Christ and that nothing can pluck me from his hand? What does it take? The young man asked this and Jesus responds with two things and, and both things that kind of go over his head and he's not really ready for. The first is prophetic. No one is good. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Romans 3, chat, uh, verse 11 through 18 begins like this. There is none righteous. No, not one. So, so th there was this momentary hope in the heart of this young man because Jesus says, hey, you know, if you, if you haven't defrauded and you honor your father and mother and you, you don't kill, you don't steal, and basically starts listing the law for him, the Ten Commandments, and the young man begins to swell up with pride and think, oh man, I've done that stuff. I'm good to go, Jesus. And Jesus flips the script. Well, that's cool that you can check a box. Man, it's, it, it's awesome that you've come to Sunday school like you have perfect attendance or whatever. It's, it's really, really cool that you come to church regularly or that you give money in the offering plate, but that's not really what I'm interested in. So, 
pump the brakes. And this is where we're heading in the text. I want you to see this. Wait, wait this, this guy had, Jesus didn't argue with him. This guy was basically saying, I, I am of high moral standard, Jesus. I, I'm kind of like the best guy that you've ever known. I've always pretty much done the right thing. I'm a good person. And Jesus turns and looks at him. And in 2017, T.J. Malton language, he says, that's not good enough. See, oftentimes we think that being good people will get us into heaven. And we kind of hope at the end of the day that our good will outweigh our bad and that you know, we'll, we'll get in because we, we were pretty good. Listen, I, I want you to hear me say this very clearly. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. There is no good person in this room. We are all spiritually bankrupt without Christ. So what we need this morning is an absolute surrender to the purpose, plan, and will of God. What does it take to enter into the kingdom of God? Jesus shows this guy. And this has far less to do with this guy's money and a lot more to do with his heart and surrender. What does it take to inherit the kingdom? Give me your heart. See, the Bible tells us that where our heart is, that's where our treasure is. Our treasure and our hearts are kind of wrapped together. And Jesus is aiming at this guy's heart. Because Jesus knew that this guy, his heart was wrapped up in his possessions. It was wrapped up in his things. It was wrapped up in his stuff. And this is what Jesus was saying. I have more to offer you than you could ever imagine. But you're going to have to let go of your stuff. Man, my, listen. The verse is just sad. Because he's standing face to face with the greatest of all time. He's standing face to face with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus isn't asking him to do something that Jesus was not willing to do. I want you to hear that this morning. Jesus wasn't asking this guy to do something that Jesus was unwilling to do. Jesus had laid down all of the riches and the comforts of the kingdom of heaven and he had come to earth veiled in flesh to be persecuted and die as a common criminal. Jesus wasn't asking him to do something he wasn't willing to do. Jesus was patterning surrender and suffering in front of him. He's standing there looking at the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one who owns the cattle of a thousand hills, the one who breathed out the galaxies. He began to grieve because he loved his stuff. Jesus, I mean, I mean, think about it. He, he throws himself at his, at his feet. He begins to praise him. He has worship down pat. I want you to hear me this morning. This guy knew how to worship Jesus. He was of high moral regard. He lived a holy lifestyle. He knew how to throw words of affirmation at God and bow down at his feet. He knew how to worship, but he had never surrendered. I'm afraid sometimes in America we've become very accustomed, we get very accustomed to, to knowing how to worship God and knowing how to check the boxes and knowing how to be of high moral, uh, high moral standard and to do all the things expected to us and we can do all of those things and never give God our heart. He did. He begins to grieve and he leaves because he loved his stuff. 
I want you to hear me say this this morning. Our religion without surrender is meaningless. Our morality without surrender is meaningless. Our meeting together and our worshiping through music and reading the word together is meaningless without surrender. There were Pharisees who knew the word inside and out who could quote the entire Torah, the the first five books of the Bible. They could quote the entire thing to you without skipping a beat and they never surrendered. Jesus is after your heart today. Jesus is after your heart. Well, Jesus, I'm moral. Jesus, I'm faithful. We, we have these comments. Jesus, I'm a pretty good person. I keep the rules, Jesus. Essentially, that's what this guy is saying. I've done all this stuff, Jesus, but, but I'm not like, going go, to go let go of my stuff. And, and for a lot of us, and I'll just confess this morning, I... I've been through seasons of my life to where this is a temptation for me to where I hold the world with one hand, I hold my stuff with one hand, I hold my own will, my own desires with one hand, and I hold on to Jesus with the other. And Jesus is begging, would you just let go of the stuff? Would you let go of the stuff? Would you surrender to me? This is what he's asking the guy. I want you to to sell all that you have and give to the poor, and I want you to come after me. It's not that Jesus didn't like rich people. Jesus blesses people with resources and money. This is not about money. It's about his heart. For many of us, it's different things. There's other things that we white-knuckle and we hold on to, and we have Jesus calling us, Jesus drawing us to himself. Jesus has this life and adventure planned for us in faith, and we just cling on to other things. Jesus, I hear you call. Jesus, I know you love me, but I just, I can't let this go. For some of us, it's pride or bitterness or frustration or anger or wounds, hurts, habits, hangups. It's these things that, Jesus, I just, I can't let it go. And I I came this morning to tell you that he's given you grace to open your hands. (laughs) He's the kind of God that will add mercy to your life so that you might just open your hands. And Jesus, you can have my stuff. Jesus, you can have my dreams. Jesus, you can have my talents. But more than that, Jesus, you can have my heart. What does it take to enter into the kingdom of heaven? What does it take to receive eternal life? Surrender. In church, we use the fancy word repent. It just means to turn from sin and turn to Christ as your only hope of salvation. This morning, I want to ask you this question. Have you asked the question, and what kind of answer have you given? Have you come face to face with that question yet? And if you haven't, you are today. What does it take? What does it take to receive eternal life? What does it take to enter the kingdom of heaven? What does it take to have a relationship with Jesus? I hope you can answer this morning, surrender. 
I hope your response to Jesus will be one of joy to where you, you open your hands. And some of us, listen, we need to just go ahead and begin praying because it's a process. Faith doesn't just happen at the snap of a finger. It does for some, but for most of us, it, it's a process. It's this working, God kneading out the, the brokenness, him kneading out the lumps, him purifying us. It's this long process called sanctification where he works us in, into a masterpiece like a potter, the clay on the wheel. He's making us over and over again. For some of us, it would be big just to pray this this morning. God, would you just begin to pry my fingers off my stuff? God, I can confess and admit, I, I'm, I don't have the faith to let go right now, so would you just begin to pry my fingers away? He asked Jesus the right question, but he didn't like the answer. Sometimes I fear that we, we know the things to ask God, but when we see his word in the scripture and when he tells us what to do, sometimes we don't seek God because we know what his answer is going to be. <laughs> Somebody will say, have you prayed about it? I'm, I'm going to pray about it. Well, I, why haven't you prayed about it? Well, I hadn't got around to it. No, it's because I know what God's going to tell me when I pray about it. Taylor and I going through the process of, of getting ready to, uh, to adopt, and it was both kind of on our hearts, but she was, listen, she was 100%, and I was just kind of like, there was a season where I was kind of like, oh, this is scary. I don't know. I, have, I don't have a lot of faith sometimes, all right? And in this area, I just didn't. I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know. And she'd be like, well, have you prayed about it? I'm like, no. Well, why don't you pray about it? Well, why didn't I pray about it? Because I knew God was calling me to it. I'm like, man, if I go to pray, he's just going to say, do it. See, sometimes we don't approach Jesus not because we don't, here's the flip, sometimes we don't approach him not because we don't think he won't love us and bring us in. We know he'll love us and bring it in, but we know it's gonna cost us something. See, this rich young ruler knew Jesus loved him. God, that's why I love that verse. Jesus looked at him, he just, just loved him. But following Jesus was gonna cost him something. It was a high cost for him because his identity was wrapped up in what he had rather than who he belonged to. I'm going to say that again. It was a high cost for the rich young ruler because his identity was wrapped up in what he had rather than who he belonged to. See, sometimes it, it gets like that in this life for us. Sometimes we get wrapped up in our job and our job becomes our identity. Well, you, well you're really good at this. You're, you're, you're really talented in this, so this must be you. Or, man, you've made a lot of money, you have a lot of success, so this is your worth and this is your identity, this is who you are. And this is what the young man knew, that when he gave up his wealth, when he gave up the thing that made him what he thought who he was, he was going to be a nobody. He wasn't going to have worth anymore. And when he didn't know that he was going to give, a little, give up a little bit of earthly glory so that he could have eternal bliss. Oh, man. His identity was wrapped up in what he had. His identity, his worth came from what he had built on his own or what he believed he had built on his own rather than who he belonged to. This morning, well, I, I want to say it like this too. Sometimes our identity gets wrapped up into what we've done that's been terrible. Sometimes for some of you say, TJ, my life has just kind of been a train wreck and, and, and I don't really have many successes or badges to pin on the wall. So my identity, my wrestle is that my identity and my lack of worth comes from all the terrible decisions I've made. 
and I don't really have any worth. Listen, what you do have this morning and what you do not have, what you have done and have not done does not define you this morning. You are defined by who loves you and you are loved by the God of the universe. He loves you. In the same way he looked on this rich young ruler with just this deep love in his heart, man, he looks on you today with love. I love the way Keller puts it. When Jesus called this young man to give up his money, the man started to grieve because money was for him what the father was for Jesus. It was the center of his identity. To lose his money would have been to lose himself. So what would it look like for us this morning if we said, Jesus, would you just take the throne of my heart? Jesus, would you be the centerpiece of my identity? Man, listen, we... We've all been there at some point. We think we're defined by our bad choices. We think our identity rests in what we can or can't do, what we can or can't provide. But at the end of the day, hear me say this well. You are defined by who loves you. You're loved by God this morning. Would you respond to him with open hands? I can't imagine what it must have been like, and we're gonna draw to a close in a minute, but there was a day that the money ran out. Either the money ran out or, or he died rich and, and on his deathbed what he realized is that his money was no good. He couldn't take it with him. He couldn't buy any more time. Couldn't buy another year, another five years, another ten years. His money died with him. His value died with him. His worth died with him. If he would have opened his hands and given up his goods and followed Christ, his worth would have extended into eternity. His identity would be, have been secure forever. And he would have all the time in the world to celebrate the goodness and perfection in Christ Jesus. This morning, I love the flip too here in scripture because the disciples are listening in on Jesus talk about this and Jesus is, you know, the, the, the rich young ruler is, is walking away and Jesus whirls or went around. He uses this moment as a teachable moment for his disciples and the people following. He, he whirls around and he's, you know, obviously broken heart. He said, man, it's easier for a, a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. He's looking at these people saying, hey, for all of you who just want to cling to your stuff, it's going to be really, really tough for you. And the disciples respond with, well, Jesus, nobody's going to be saved this is really tough, Jesus, because we love our stuff. Everybody's having this conversation. Jesus, who can be saved at all then? And Jesus says, you're right. It seems impossible, and it is. Surrender on our own merit, our own ability, getting to God on our own ability, our own good works is absolutely impossible. It doesn't happen. But Jesus turns to him and says, but with God, all things are possible. This morning you may say, TJ, I don't know if I can ever have worth or I can ever have value. TJ, I don't know if I could ever turn loose of my stuff and just really surrender to Jesus and follow after him. You're right, you can't. But Christ in you can. Christ can give you the grace and the mercy and the ability to turn from sin and embrace him as Savior. 
Things in your life this morning may look impossible and difficult. Insurmountable odds. You think, man, there's no way. There are impossible things. With God, all things are possible. Hear me say this this morning. He loves you. He wants you and he is for you. Disciples say, Jesus, it's impossible. And I don't know what it was like to have a conversation with Jesus, but it's almost like Jesus is looking at him and saying, now you're getting it, guys. You've said a lot of dumb stuff over our journey together, but you're finally getting it. It is impossible on your own. But if you let go of this world and cling to me, all things are possible. This morning, have you made that decision? Have you turned loose of this world and said yes to Christ? What does it take to inherit the kingdom of God? What does it take for your eternity to be secure in Jesus? It takes surrender. It's not some special prayer that, that unlocks the box. It's just surrendering your life to Christ, following him with everything you have, and allowing his grace to work in you. Would you respond to the question this morning? We're going to have a time of invitation. And during our response time, we, we do this every Sunday, but there's a place here at the front of the stage we call it the altar where if you just want to pray by yourself, you're welcome to come here. If you want to talk about salvation, I'm always standing down to the right. And we have prayer team members on the left and right of the building who would love to pray with you. Use this time as we sing this song to do business with God. Maybe you're a believer this morning. You still like to reach back into the old bin and grab stuff. Would you just pray, God, help me let go? Maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe this morning is the, the first time that you could say, God, I'm not really sure about all this stuff, but would you teach me to surrender? Would you help me feel your love? Whatever that prayer might look like. Use this time to do business with him. Let me pray for you. God, thank you. Thank you for an opportunity to look at your word. God, we know that it's in your word we're transformed. By your word, we're transformed. By your spirit, God, we're Transform. So help us this morning to listen to the text. To be amazed at the reality, God, Lord, that you will give us the grace to let go of this world, to turn loose of our stuff, and to cling to a perfect Savior. Help us to realize our worth and our value come from you, come from belonging to you. We are sons and daughters of the King. We love you, Jesus.